stand by for the hook. Welcome to The Hook with Katie Kempner, Vice President of Agency Communications at Crispin Porter and Bogusky, the most awarded advertising agency in the world. Every Tuesday at the intersection of advertising and PR, The Hook, where Katie talks with advertising visionaries, top journalists, cutting-edge creatives, authors, and PR gurus. Hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and PR today. Now here's your host, Katie Kempner. Hello, welcome to The Hook. I'm Katie Kempner, and today is Tuesday, December 20th. Thank you for joining me. Today, my guest will be Warren Berger. Just a little bit about The Hook. What I hope to do with The Hook is to give you the chance to hear what my friends and colleagues are thinking about and doing. People in the marketing, PR, advertising industries right on the forefront, and including people that cover these industries. So what I'd like to do is help you make your job easier and join me each week, 2 two o'clock on Tuesdays. Today, as I said, will be my friend, Warren Berger. Warren is an award-winning journalist. He's an author, and he's written for leading magazines, the New York Times Magazine, Wired, Reader's Digest, Forbes, Gentleman's Quarterly, Business 2.0, Men's Journal. He's a frequent contributor to advertising magazines and knows quite a lot about the industry. He's the author of two nonfiction books, Advertising Today, which drew rave reviews in Esquire and Maxim and the Village Voice, and was also named one of the best books of the year by Barnes & Noble. And he's also a co-author with Emmy-winning Amazing Race TV star Phil Kogan of the book No Opportunity Wasted, Eight Ways to Create a List for Life. So when we come back... Oh, wait. Also, he is a great guest because he's been on the Today Show many times. He's been on CNN. He's been on ABC World News Tonight. So he knows what he's talking about. When I get back, hear what Warren Berger has to say. Like the idea of gambling and winning with someone else's money? How about cashing in with the house? Sign up today with PartyPoker.com, the world's largest poker room and poker affiliate program. Cash in on one of the most lucrative and fastest growing industries for webmasters. There's $10 million paid out to webmasters every month. The world is your oyster and every hand is a winner. Wouldn't you like a slice of that pie? PartyPoker.com. Betting on the house makes you a winner every time. Contact Alex L at PartyGaming.com for a great deal. PartyPoker.com. What happens when super affiliates hit the glass ceiling? They develop RevenueGateway.com. The ad network developed by super affiliates for the affiliate marketplace. Tap into the most powerful and intuitive system designed for ROI. Exclusive tier one advertisers. Highest industry payouts. Bonus rewards and rock solid on time payments. Looking to be creative or need mentoring? There is always someone there for you live 24-7. Revenue 
RoadGateway.com, the secret to your success. RoadGateway.com. For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Commercials off. Stand by for the hook. Now here's your host, Katie Gempner. Thank you. Hi, I'm Katie Kempner, and you're listening to The Hook. Today, my friend Warren Berger is joining us. Warren has written extensively about advertising for all sorts of industry publications, including Advertising Age, Adweek, Grafis, Communication Arts, and also quite quite a bit for the mainstream press, including the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, GQ, and Wired. Warren, thank you for uh, coming to my show. It's great to be here, Katie. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I, I remember, don't at the very end, we're going to have a chance to talk about your dog, I promised. Oh, great. That's good. I've, <laughs> I've, I've locked him away now so he doesn't bark during the interview. So he won't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I wanted to bring mine. I have a little seven-month-old puppy, but... Uh, Actually, a very large seven-month-old puppy. But anyway, these guys said no. Oh. So <laughs> tell, tell me a little bit. Why don't we just start out? Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you, you got to be a writer that actually made a living at it. Uh, well, you know, I came out of uh, journalism school uh, many years ago, too many years to mention. And um, I initially worked on uh, a couple of different magazines on staff. Um, and then I decided to take the bold step of going freelance and becoming uh, my own um, my own business in a way. And I've been doing that for about 15 years now. And when I went freelance, um, I was looking around for, you know, what are the markets where you can best sell your work? Uh, and it seemed like the business press was the way to go. There was a lot of need for people who could write about business. So that kind of got me started in the direction of advertising. But then, you know, within the business world, um, I kind of looked around for mm-hmm. an interesting business to write about. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to write about, uh, you know, companies that sell widgets or something like that. You know, I, I wanted something creative, something interesting. And, uh, and that's kind of how I, I gravitated toward advertising, because it, it really is one of the most uh, creative industries out there. I mean, it was either that or maybe write about Hollywood, um, and so uh, I, I kind of figured, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd make that my beat. And um, plus it would be an excuse to watch even more TV than I, I already did because I could, you know, tell people I was doing research on the ads. So um, I kind of focused on that, started focusing on that about 15 years ago. And I've just, ever since then, it's been one of the main things I write about. It's not the only thing I write about, but it's probably, you know, 50% of what I write about. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk a, a, a bunch today about your book, Advertising Today, which is, first of all, this is radio, so you can't see, but it's be- it's a beautiful book. I mean, there's just so many wonderful, it's it's a great read, and um, it, it's, it's very interesting. And in your book, at the beginning of your book, you list nine reasons why advertising matters. Why, can you just, maybe not all nine, but wh- what are the top reasons why you think advertising matters? Well, one of the main reasons is that, you know, it's kind of here, like it or not. You know, people sometimes complain about advertising as if they wish it would go away. And 
you know, it's not going to go away because it, it, it drives our economy and it makes, it makes it possible for us to have all this fabulous media that we're all addicted to. So it's kind of a reality of, of, a, commercial, uh, of a commercial culture. And uh, once you accept it as that, then you kind of think in terms of, well, if advertising is, is a fact of life, you know, how can we make it uh, the, the, the best it can be? And, uh, and I, I think that's why I'm so focused on the creative side of advertising, which is really about making advertising good. You know, I don't, I don't really write about the, um, the acquisitions and the mergers and, and which company is, uh, has acquired who. Um, that stuff is all important on a, on a business level. But what I care about is the actual creation of the work because I think that surrounds us every day and it, it becomes part of our culture and it, it, it influences us in so many ways we, can, you know, we can't even imagine it. It starts trends. It, 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 it affects what we drive and what we, you know, how we see ourselves and, and all kinds of things. So I really think it's, a, you know, it's one of the defining uh, parts of our culture. Yeah, I agree. Advertising as pop culture, I think that the best, you know, the best of the best really makes it its way into pop culture. Like, I mean, a great example of that would be what what Crispin Porter Bogusky did with Subservient Chicken earlier uh, this year with Burger King, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, well, you're seeing that kind of thing, you know, all the time where something starts out as as an ad or some form of promotion and it becomes much more than that. It becomes part of the pop culture. It becomes something people talk about and, and pass on to each other. And uh, so that's when advertising kind of crosses over and becomes almost a form of entertainment or even art. You know, at the, at the very highest levels, advertising can even uh, become a form of art. It, it doesn't happen very often. It happens very, very rarely. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 become, it can become something that changes the way people see the world or see themselves. And at that point, you know, it's, it's something pretty special. Now, all of that doesn't happen very often. You know, I mean, you, when you look at advertising, 95 or 97% of it is junk. You know, it's just stuff that was thrown together very quickly by people and uh, is, is really doesn't have anything that interesting or unique or uh, profound about it. But every once in a while, you know, when you get really creative people together, as with any field, you know, it's creative people in film or in, in books or, or whatever, when you put together really creative people in advertising, every once in a while they connect on something that is just a really, uh, really brilliant idea. Yeah, I, I'm always amazed by the people that I meet in, in advertising. And later we'll talk about that panel that you did on Broadway. Just the caliber of thinking. I mean, these people are, are true artists and they could have gone into anything. Right, absolutely. Well, it's an interesting field. I mean, I think it, it draws people who, um, who are interested in art and are interested in being creative, but at the same time, they kind of want to be part of, of, of the fast-paced business world. They, they want to have... They want to do something that is going to have immediate results, and they want to they want to influence a lot of people very quickly. Uh, so I think it's 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 drawing an interesting uh, type of person. Well, I, I, I was hoping you were also going to say something else of your, of your nine points. You talk about advertising as a mirror. Yeah, and I guess that's good. That can be good and also bad. I mean, what, what do you mean, advertising as a mirror? Well, uh, what, what I mean is that uh, we kind of see ourselves when we look at advertising. It kind of reflects back, um, you know, as a culture, what we're thinking at the time, what our priorities are, um, what we're talking about, what we're feeling. 
And so when you see, uh, and, and yeah, yeah, that can be that can be really disheartening sometimes when you look at ads because you see that, you know, you see that people are obsessed with you know the way they look, or or they're obsessed with having a uh, you know a huge SUV that's bigger than the next guy's SUV, you know, um, and, and a lot of times that is a really accurate. Uh, reflection of of what's going on in the culture and what's important to people at the time. It also re- can reflect our insecurities. You know, um, uh, I, I find interesting in in ads the um, the way the genders kind of portray each other, and mostly it's men portraying uh, women and portraying other men and portraying the relationship between men and women. That that gets a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I find it kind of depressing because if you look at ads. There's almost this attitude out there like men are men and women are women and the two species can't even communicate with each other. You know, they're like these two, these two groups that one just likes to shop and the other just likes to watch football and there's no common ground. And you see that message come through so much in advertising. And, you know, I guess that's a reflection of what a lot of people think is going on in the yeah. culture. Yeah, you know, I, I that's an interesting point because I mean, when you when you take a look at the at the the creatives that are writing this stuff, they're for the most part pretty open minded liberal people. Yeah. And then you know you you watch some of these ads, and it's just uh, well, I'm even thinking not so stereotyping, but then also even taking that further, all those beer ads yeah. where women what. I can't remember what are those awards calls that they give out once a year. Oh yeah, to the to the most offensive uh, ads to 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 women or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember what they are either. But but they 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 gave it to the um, the one with the cat fight between the two women on the Miller beer. Uh, the Miller Beer ad, which I thought was that very deserving. Of yeah, I was going to say that too. a really too. crummy ad. And again, you know, it just kind of that's a reflection to me when you see advertising like that. It's a reflection of the worst of our culture, and, and you do see a fair amount of it. But it can also be sometimes, you know, as you just said, there's a lot of well-educated people in advertising, and a lot of times I think they're, they're talking down to the audience. You know, that may not even be what they believe themselves, or it may not reflect their own feelings about an issue like, like women or something, but it may, ref- it may be a case of what they think the audience wants to see, Mm-hmm. So they're kind of pandering in some cases to uh, uh, there's a lot of pandering that goes on to young male um, to the young male audience in advertising. There's this belief that the young male is sort of the holy grail, and yeah. you have to you have to get this person. Uh, this this is the ultimate consumer. Uh, it's weird that that, that that people think that way because you know to me women women are very important consumers, and and people over forty are very important consumers. But there has been this idea that's taken hold with a lot of brands that they really want to get the young guy who's in his 20s. And uh, they just feel that that guy is hard to reach. He's an influencer. He's a mover and shaker. And they just they want that guy. And in order to reach that guy, they, they'll jump through hoops. And uh, a lot of times they'll do advertising that's, that's sort of really pandering to what they think that guy wants to see. And it's that that's, you see tons of ads that are full of you know sports jokes and, uh, and and bathroom humor and all that, and it's all going after that that guy. So what do you think? That guy doesn't really want to see that, or that guy? I mean, um, and does that guy even have the money? I mean, is that the guy that's you know he's buying fast food, but is is he even you know buying the other stuff? 
Um, he's buying a fair amount of stuff. You know that that guy could be a could be a stockbroker. You know, um, he, he's, 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 he could be a lot of different things. You know, but um, and I think half the time that guy does want to see that stuff, and half the time he doesn't. Uh, half of those guys are very turned off probably by that that message. But, you know, uh, again, it's just a, a matter of talking down to kind of the lowest part of the audience sometimes. You know, you go after, or you end up going after who the easy target, you know. Um, so instead of going after the smarter part of the audience, you're going after the, you know, the part of the audience that's not as smart. And I just think that's, that's the part of advertising that I think is the most uh, discouraging. And, but now you're really talking more about television ads, right? Uh, yes, primarily television ads. Yeah, you don't see that kind of thing as much in print. You don't see that kind of sort of uh, dumb humor or pandering quite as much in print. Um, you, you, you could see it occasionally, though. Yeah, you, you know, you'll see sort of, you, you, I've seen a lot of sort of sexist uh, print ads, you know, but um, it, it's, it's worse on television for sure. It, well, well, I, and, and by the way, you know, that's yeah. because just the fact that someone is reading something, like a magazine, tells you automatically they're not, you know, the bottom of the barrel in terms of <laughs> intelligence. So I think that automatically shifts the intelligence quotient up a little bit from TV, mm-hmm. where, where the assumption is, you know, it could be anybody watching TV. I mean, I think another thing is maybe these ads are getting even more and more shocking because it's much more, you know, these days, I mean, people are surfing the web and watching television and answering their emails, and you have a much more difficult task to really try to get somebody to pay attention to you than you used to. Oh, yeah, you do. It, it, that's true. I mean, it's much harder to break through um, because people are so distracted. But, but the fallacy there is thinking that, that shock is the thing that the only way to break through. You know, there, there's a lot of different ways to break through the clutter that don't involve shock value. They, they involve just being... Um, this, it's, sort of the, it's sort of about the difference between shocking people and intriguing them or surprising them. There's all kinds of ways you can intrigue people and surprise them that don't involve being, you know, gross or being, or being shocking or anything like that. Um, and, and that, to me, that's what good advertising does. Good advertising kind of figures out, okay, how can I get someone's attention and really make them sit up and pay attention without resorting to, you know, ridiculous uh, shock value or screaming or anything like that? And that requires real intelligence to figure out that puzzle, you know, because you have to kind of, you kind of have to get at something really original and something people haven't seen before. And that's the only way you're going to get people to, you know, to really be intrigued. You have to show them something they haven't seen before. So I have to ask you a question then. I mean, you've looked throughout this book, I mean, not just throughout this book, but throughout your career, you've looked at so much stuff. Who has the most, this is unfair to ask you this question, but if you can really narrow it down and it doesn't have to be one, who has the most memorable TV ad campaign of this century? You mean which, like, which brand? Which brand, or you could even say like a specific one, which brands? Yeah. Um, there's a few I would say that, I mean, Nike really is, is kind of considered the gold standard um, in advertising. They probably haven't been as strong maybe in the last, you know, couple of years as they were uh, before that. They're still very strong, but, um, but they used to be dominant. I mean, they used to be just like the best advertising you know, hands down, almost every year was done by Nike. And, um, you know, it's really an amazing body of work they've done over the years. Uh, Now, also, through the years, there have been some other companies that have been challenged them at times and done stuff that is just as good or almost as good. I think Apple Computer 
has, you know, at oh, that's times... that's a good one, absolutely. Done, Apple's done amazing stuff yeah, at times. Yeah. You know, they've just, they've just really stepped up to the plate and knocked it out of the park. But probably the difference between Apple and Nike is that Apple uh, didn't necessarily do it year after year after year. Um, Apple would, would have a run of great advertising for a couple of years. Then they'd kind of fade away for a while. You didn't see as much stuff. And then, then they came back and started doing great stuff again. So I think... Or in consistency, you know, over the throughout the '90s and 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 into the into the early 2000s, it was just Nike, you know, was was just the best, and Apple was was one of the companies that maybe was uh you know one one of the runner ups, a number of other runner ups, you know, Volkswagen through the years has always had our good new client Volkswagen. Wait, yeah. just wait to see what's going to come from. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what yeah. you know what your agency is going to do because uh, and and the bar is very high, you know, Extremely. because Volkswagen has. Through the years, done some amazing advertising, uh, both in the old days, uh, the classic work they did back in the 1960s with Doyle Dane Burnback is is considered some of the best advertising ever done. And then even more recently, I thought, you know, in the the late 90s with uh, Arnold, um, they did some excellent, um, excellent stuff. And then they kind of, you know, things kind of slowed down somehow in the last couple of years, and I'm not sure why. You know, I think that I don't know that it was the advertising, you know, there's, there's so many things that can cause a brand to, to lose momentum a little bit. And it's, oftentimes it's not the advertising. It's usually various things that are going on in the marketplace. Yeah, you, you know, I just wanted to go back to Nike for a second because in your book you talk about how Nike started a new era in advertising, which you call the postmodern ad revolution. What, yeah. do, you, what do you mean by that? Um, that's a term I actually, I, I, I kind of... Bo- Borrowed that term. Ah, the truth comes out. (laughs) It was being used by um, the writer Randall Rothenberg Mm -hmm. um, to describe a kind of advertising that he thought was. When you talk about postmodernism as a movement, generally, there's a few different ways it's defined. But one of the ways it's defined is uh, you're borrowing um, you're borrowing from all kinds of influences around you in the culture, and you're using it. So if you were creating a work of art and you were a postmodernist, you might you might create a collage that has a a uh, a label from a from a pa- from a, a box of soap, and it might have something else, mm-hmm. and it might have this, and it might have something from a comic strip. So you're kind of borrowing all these elements from the culture, and and putting it into your art, mm-hmm. and your art becomes like this big collage of of different things that reflect what's going on in the culture, and. Um, what Randall was saying was that you know Nike advertising and Wyden and Kennedy were doing a lot of that kind of thing. They were they were borrowing things that were out there in the culture, like uh, you know uh, rock music or, uh, or or different art forms or uh, uh, hip hop or you know whatever literature. Uh, they were borrowing all these references and they were finding a way to work them into the advertising. Uh, so all of a sudden. An ad wasn't just about the product anymore. It was about all kinds of cool stuff that, that was in the culture. You know, you might see a Nike ad that would have Lou Reed uh, singing a rock song in it, and it would show film footage that would refer to some famous film. And, you know, all kinds of stuff like that would be mixed in there, all these influences. And so that was kind of a whole new way of approaching advertising. And I think it's it's stayed with us. It's it's still with us today. It might not be as strong as it was when uh, when Nike was was doing that kind of thing, but um, but it still uh, kind of defines where advertising is today. If you look at advertising now, anything goes. Uh, you can use almost anything as an influence in your ad, and you're liable to see 
anything pop up in an ad. Um, all kinds of other art forms, all kinds of music, all kinds of uh, mm-hmm. references are liable to be seen in ads. So that's kind of what postmodern advertising is all about. So really, in a way, I mean, if you if you look at how people brand themselves, you know, I wear Nike shoes and I listen to my iPod and I wear this particular kind of watch that by Nike sort of branding themselves with many different things and saying we stand for this kind of hip hop and this kind of this you're almost able to to translate that to yourself then and say yeah, you can right exactly you can make that part of your identity you know like Nike if Nike makes itself cool yeah, and 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 by being postmodern, Nike makes itself cool because wh- wh- when you're when you're being postmodern in that way, you're showing, hey, I'm in touch with all the stuff that's going on in the culture. I know, I can make reference to the coolest songs that that you might not have even heard about. I can I can show you that I know about uh, beat poetry from Jack Kerouac. I, I know all this stuff. It's like a really cool person at a party mm-hmm. who kind of knows everything and impresses everyone, you know. And and that's in effect what what Nike was doing with the brand. They were becoming this cool kind of uh, symbol of a lot of different things. And so when you make yourself into a cool symbol, then the consumer can can take on that symbol as part of their own identity and it may you know everyone's trying to latch on to the coolness you know and, and so that it becomes part of their identity and that's a certain cool badge that they have at that point so you know that's kind of the way the way it works now i don't know that all of that is done consciously you know um I, that's where i kind of disagree sometimes with um some of the people who who analyze postmodern advertising they look at it in a, in a they're very cynical about it and they say you know nike uses Bob Dylan music or whatever, or John Lennon music Mm -hmm. um, as a way to to almost like trick people, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, to to seem so so that they'll fool people into thinking they're cool, and then they exploit the coolness of John Lennon and all that kind of thing. So the one way of looking at it is is to see the whole thing as being exploiting. You know, you exploit the culture, you exploit everything that's interesting and cool. I don't see it that way. I see it as advertising just attracts these people who are into all these things. Mm-hmm. And then when these people create ads, they try to figure out, they, they want to express all the things they're interested in. Yeah. So it finds its way into the advertising. And then once it's in the advertising, other people out there are interested in the same cool stuff. They see it in the ad and they're drawn to it. So it's, it, to me, it's just a form of people communicating to each other that what they find interesting and what they find cool. I don't necessarily see the whole... Um, exploitation part of it that some people do. Or the backlash. Well, let's talk about that a little more when we come back from our commercial break. We'll be right back. by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R.com. More than a name. 
How do you choose the right affiliate program to partner with? All we're trying to do is make the most money in the least amount of time. The answer is simple. JoeBucks.com, the world's leading herbal affiliate program. JoeBucks.com is the direct manufacturer, so there's no middleman. This will allow you to make up to 50%, the highest payouts on the net, and also get paid twice a month. Sign up today and watch your income grow. It's all about links, baby. Content is king, but links are what you need to get you those all-important organic search listings. Float to the top of your keyword listings within the major portals while driving targeted traffic to your website at the same time. Work with a company with a proven track record for delivering results for thousands of individual website owners and major Fortune 500 companies. TextLinkAds.com is your source for securing relevant links. Baby, TextLinkAds.com. Commercials off. Stand by for the hook. Now here's your host, Katie Kempner. Hey, everybody. I'm Katie Kempner. Welcome back to The Hook. Today we are talking to my friend, Warren Berger, who is a very accomplished writer. He's written extensively for lots of advertising publications, including Ad Age, Ad Week, Rafis, Communication Arts, as well as for the Business Press, the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, Wired. We're talking to a professional. Hey, Warren, thanks for being with us. Sure. Great to be here. So we sort of, right before we took a little commercial break, um, we started to talk a little bit about a a backlash with advertising. In your book, and and I don't think you mean this in in the way that that I'm as a backlash, but you say that advertising is inescapable and it it can't be killed. But a lot of people find that really offensive. I mean, you're bombarded with messages every single place you go. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a problem, uh, but it's also a reality. I I, I think it's something that um, we can try to rein it in a little bit, and we probably should. You know, that there probably should be some places that we we draw the line and say never shall advertising be allowed in this place. You know, a, a church, uh, you know, a school, um, although it's already gotten into schools. But um, you know, there are places that probably should be off limits to advertising, but. It's hard to control the spread of something like advertising, and and I think, um, you know, that's why I I tend to look at it um, differently and say, well, if it's if it's going to be all around us anyway, and it's and it's really hard to 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 keep it from being around us, then um, then the focus should be how can we make it the least offensive. Um, advertising that it can be and make it interesting to look at and make it uh, maybe a little bit amusing, uh, but not annoying. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we do all those things? Because if, if you do those things, people don't really mind advertising. You know, that's the funny thing. I mean, people hate advertising except when they like it. <laughs> exactly. And so, and so if, you, if, if the advertising is better and a little more subtle and a little quieter and a little smarter and more respectful of people and their intelligence, then people aren't going to be as, as um, resentful of it, and they aren't going to hate it as much. So I think that's, a, that's an issue. I, you know, the ad guy, Jeff Goodby, um, he, uh, he, he sort of looks at it. He said to me one time he thinks of, um, he thinks of himself as an environmentalist when it comes to advertising. And, you know, I didn't know what he meant by that. And, and he said, it's like, I think of advertising now as being part of the environment. It's there. Oh, that's and, interesting. And therefore, since it's part of the environment, we have to make it aesthetically pleasing. 
Um, so, you know, I think that's a, that's a good, that's a really good way of looking at it. Well, you know, that's interesting that he would have said that. I mean, I, th- I think that at its best advertising should be a conversation between a brand and a consumer, which is why I think it's very interesting there's going to be a rise for opt-in advertising. So, th- mm. And I'm not going to continue to go back to the subservient chicken, but I- I'll go to another one just because, you know, I know our work the best that right. we did for um, Method Soap. Um, we did, which actually won a uh, Grand Prix at Cannes. But I mean, when people get a chance to go to the product, and actually that was, it was a, do, do, you, know, do you know that one that I'm I talking about? I haven't seen that, no. Well, it, it was one where you could go to the website and you could confess something that you did wrong. Okay. And then there was this woman with a charming voice. All you saw were her hands, and she would she would write it down on her hand and then wash it away, right, and then you right. were clean. But at the same time, you could also then go and look at method soaps and and. Um, we had an amazing reaction to that. I mean, yeah. so many people going into it, sending it to their friends. So at that point, nobody's there who doesn't want to be there. Yeah. It's not getting pushed down your throat. I right. mean, what are some examples that you see? And I guess the internet really is the biggest way for these kind of campaigns. That, you know, besides subservient chicken, like, what do you see as these opt-in campaigns that are going really well? Well, I think, um, you know, it's interesting because... What, what those opt-in campaigns are doing, in a way, is just, they're just taking the next step of what great advertising always did, which is great advertising, as I said earlier, um, it, it, it should intrigue you, and it should make you have to pay attention to it. And sometimes great advertising made you have to figure it out. Um, there, w- there might be a riddle kind of embedded within the advertising, or there might be a, a, a joke uh, that wasn't obvious or, a, a, you know what I mean, a, an yeah, interesting yeah. idea that you had to kind of think about. Um, you know, the, the most classic one going back to the 60s was Volkswagen did an ad where the headline was Lemon and right. o- over, the, over the, the Volkswagen. And you had to engage with that ad to figure out why they were calling their own product a lemon. And, and when, you, when, you, when you worked with the ad, you figured out, what, you know, what it, what it was all about. And um, that's kind of what we can do now even more with the interactive advertising. It's almost like we can set up a, a riddle that people get interested in and they, and they have to take part in it to, to get the answer or they have to take part in it to, to get satisfied in some way or, they wanna, or, the, or it's a game they can play. Um, and, and I think that's great. That, that just, it's a tool that wasn't there before for advertising. But it's, you know, the funny thing to me is it's, it's doing the same thing that advertising always had to do, which is to get people to stop sitting there passively and to want to interact with the ad, to want to figure the ad out, to want to think about what the, what, what's really going on, all of those things. So I think subservient chicken and, uh, you know, this, this, Lots of people doing this now. I, I, I can't really think of good examples off the top of my head, but lots of people are doing or, or trying to do this kind of thing now. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how well it goes because some of it is going to end up just being sort of silly games where the, you use the technology just to, you know, uh, try to get people to, um, you know, uh, put a golf ball into a hole or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's not really going to necessarily excite people. Yeah. Um, it's, it's going to be what, what will make it work is always the originality of the idea. And then you use the technology to support the original idea. You know, subservient chicken was interesting because the idea of doing that was interesting, not because the technology uh, was, you know, was, was, 
was so fascinating. It was the, it was the idea that someone would put a guy in a room like that with a chicken suit Although, I and have have to s- act out all these things. That, that was just so different. You know, nobody had ever done anything like that. Although people were fascinated to just think, you know, is, you know, is, there, the, is there a guy? I would get all these calls. So is there a guy oh, you know, yeah. just well, sitting was, there? But, but you see, to me, that was part of the idea. See, someone had to think of that. Someone had to think, wouldn't it be cool if you thought something was going on and in fact, it wasn't really going on. You know, to me, that's all part of the idea um, because you could have the technology to do that, but you would never. But if you didn't put it, put the idea together of how to make that really an interesting scenario um, with the chicken and with the commands and all that stuff, it, it, you know, the technology doesn't doesn't work unless it's, yeah. it's supporting a really interesting, clever, crazy idea. You know, like the subservient chicken. You know what so, was amazing about the subservient chicken is that people kept thinking, you know, that, that they would be the one to come up with a truly interesting command that right, nobody. Right. So, I mean, we we there were four hundred commands that were programmed in that the chicken could do, and that's it. And people would be like, you know, I'm going to be the one to stump that chicken. Right, right. But right. when it comes down to it, there's really not. I mean. Most people had really the same train of thought of what they were going to ask the chicken to do, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's, it's sort of funny when you think that people uh, people think in patterns that way. That, that's a little scary, actually. You know, <laughs> we we like to think we're all totally original and unique, but, but you not. know, we tend to great minds tend to think alike. So, but it is amazing because because the internet affords you a chance to interact. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, but you know, the internet internet is a mixed blessing though for uh, for advertising because. Um, it, it offers the chance to interact, and that's good. But it also offers all of this instant measurement. Yes, of, that's a great point. You know, everything gets measured instantly. How many hits, how many this, how many that. And um, traditionally, a lot of measurement has not been a good thing for people who are creatives in advertising because it, it's, it, there's a funny tension in advertising between numbers and methodology and and uh, and measurement and the creative process. You know, the creative process really kind of doesn't want to be measured. It doesn't want to be put into a box that says, you know, you do things. If, if you do things X number of times, you will get seven thousand hits. That's that's kind of counter to what creativity is all about. And so I, it's going to be interesting to me to see the tension that arises between the internet advertising and the creative um, process because. The internet is a little bit more like direct mail um, or direct marketing. Yeah. Um, and direct marketing has traditionally not been a very creative field. Um, direct marketing is some of the worst advertising you'll ever see. Is 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 direct advertising, which has an eight hundred number at the end or whatever, you know. And um, whereas the best advertising you see tends to be the kind of branding, a brand building advertising that that doesn't have a toll free number at the end, you know. So. The Internet is interesting because the Internet is more like direct marketing than it is like TV advertising, in a way, because, of, because it's so results-based and it's so immediate and it's so measurable. And I just think it's going to be really interesting to see how creative people deal with, that, with the pressures to have everything, uh, to have all Internet advertising be very, very, um, you know, numbers-driven or very, very process-driven. Well, I think, I mean, that's one of the central issues around advertising because, you know, in your book, there's all these beautiful ads and incredibly intelligent and witty, you know, ads and 
not advertising for art's sake, but there is a very big difference. And in fact, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, when you moderated that panel on Broadway mm-hmm. and Lee, Lee Clow brought brought this whole thing up, the difference between advertising for art's sake and advertising, you know, to sell your product, which is really what you're there to do. Right, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a tension there, but, uh, again, between advertising and art. Um, you know, th- that's a question that, that comes up sometimes, you know, by people who are going into the field who a lot of people who go into the creative side of advertising at some point or another were interested in art. Um, some of them went to art school or design school or what have you. Some of them might have thought they were going to be, you know, a novelist before they became a copywriter. Um, so there, there's this influence of art that naturally comes into advertising because people have an interest in, in, in being artful, the people who go into it. Um, and so then that raises the question, you know, when they get into the advertising, should they be trying to create some kind of art? And it's, it's an interesting question, um, I, I think, because you could look at advertising in a way, you could look at it as sponsored art if you wanted yeah. to. You could say someone goes out and they create a really interesting thing that other people are going to love, and then they allow a brand to sponsor it, and that's advertising, you know. So you can look at it as, as sponsored art, and, and you can also say that if advertising is really, really good, it does some of the things that, that a piece of art can do. It, it, can, it can be very original. It can have an emotional impact. It can do all those things. But on the other hand, if you're making ads, it can also be really dangerous to think of it as an art form because then you lose sight of the fact that it's always a business, first and foremost. And, and so you... If you start thinking that the art of, of what you're doing is more important than the business, then you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be lost. So I, I, I think um, I, I was talking one time to the, uh, the ad guy, Andy Berlin, mm-hmm. and he said something like, if an ad becomes a piece of art, it should happen by coincidence. It shouldn't happen by design. Mm-hmm. You, know, you shouldn't have been mm-hmm. trying to create a piece of art. You should have been trying to create a really interesting piece of business communication and you did it so well that it ended up being art and that is the ideal you know kind of situation well this is a perfect sec- this is a perfect place to take a break but also a perfect place to when we come back talk about advertising as art as close as it's going to get and the super bowl okay, so we'll great. be right back okay Like the idea of gambling and winning with someone else's money? How about cashing in with the house? Sign up today with PartyPoker.com, the world's largest poker room and poker affiliate program. Cash in on one of the most lucrative and fastest growing industries for webmasters. There's $10 million paid out to webmasters every month. The world is your oyster and every hand is a winner. Wouldn't you like a slice of that pie? PartyPoker.com. Betting on the house makes you a winner every time. Contact Alex L at PartyGaming.com for a great deal. PartyPoker.com. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearch. InfoSearchMedia.com today. 60 Day 
free advertising trial on the best of the web directory. That's BOTW.org, the Internet's oldest directory since 1994. We know what you want, and we've got what you need. And hey, if you can get some free online advertising in this world with no strings attached, feel us up. I, I, I mean, feel free to take advantage of this extraordinary offer and start your no-risk 60-day free online advertising trial today. Best of the web. BOTW.org. So they got pretty good food here, huh? Uh -huh. Listen, I just got a new check from a program I joined. Oh, yeah? What effective CPM are they paying you? Pass the salt. Not sure. They just send me a check, not a detailed breakout. Are you joking? No. There's lots of ways to make money, but you need to be the master of your own destiny. With ValueClick Media, I instantly adopted a national sales force that delivers recognizable ads with high CPM payouts. Mm. Plus, their new interface lets me control the ads I want to run and mm. tells me how much I earn from each advertising. Wow. Doesn't that sound better? Pass the pepper. Wow. Thanks for the tip. I'm going to give ValueClick Media a try. Join the ad network publishers trust most. Apply today at ValueClickMedia.com. It's SC Gurus. Rainmaker. Hey, Yankee, yeah. And his beautiful co-host, Brandy. A Yankee and a Southerner. I do that lovely Southern draw. I don't, I don't have the Texan accent. I'm sorry, but... No, I don't, I don't think I do either, but I love that honey drip sort of sound. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> someone's probably going to pull that blurb out and use it for a promo now. Thanks. Uh, Rainmaker. Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on Webmaster Radio. Commercials off. Stand by for the hook. Now here's your host, Katie Gempner. Hi, this is Katie Kempner, and today I am talking to my good friend Warren Berger, the writer. He's written extensively about uh, advertising in Ad Age, Ad Week, all over the place. This guy knows what he's talking about. Warren, thank you for being my guest today. That's uh, great to be here, Katie. <laughs> I think you should let your dog out now. No, no, I'm keeping him locked up. He can't be trusted. I feel guilty. All of us, I've, I'm going to send him some. Does he like like Scooby snacks or something? Yeah, he likes everything. I you, 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 there's nothing you could send him that he wouldn't like. <laughs> I could send him my shoes. My dog seems to really like my shoes. <laughs> so anyway, what I wanted to talk about now, um, we were just talking right before you left about advertising is art, when it is, when it can be, when it's at its best. There is no time during the year that maybe for a lot of people, it's the only time during the year that people like to watch advertising during the Super Bowl because that's when, I mean, that's when the time is most expensive to buy and you get these amazing blockbuster commercials. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, it's actually not my favorite time to watch ads, oddly enough. Um, well, you're a connoisseur. Yeah, well, I, I just think that um, the ads that run during the Super Bowl you, sometimes you get a, you get a few good ones. You'll get a handful of good ones, but you get a lot of, of crummy ones too. And and what's going on there is that kind of um, it's a little bit of what we were talking about earlier. There's mm -hmm. a little bit of that um, lowest common denominator thing that happens in the Super Bowl because you have such a huge audience that uh, you're just people create commercials sometimes. I think that are designed to reach you know, the, um, the dumbest among us, you know. And so you get, you get a lot of those kind of, you know, um, beer, ad, beer commercials with flatulent horses and things like that. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I don't know, you know, to me that doesn't represent the best of advertising. But, you know, there usually will be a few sprinkled in there. Um, I think it's a very artificial kind of thing because it's um, Super Bowl commercials 
always uh, have a huge budget and a huge audience. So it's, it's not like you're seeing the typical commercial at work. It's almost a blockbuster effect um, mm-hmm. of, uh, coming to the advertising world, you know. Um, and when I, when I say blockbuster, I mean blockbuster movies. Right. Like, like in Hollywood, you know, the blockbuster movies phenomenon has generally not been a great thing because it gives us a lot of cartoon, you know, uh, comic book type crummy movies. And, um, and so you, you have a little bit of that with Super Bowl commercials, I think. You have a little bit of that phenomenon going on. What do you think that, um, I'm not, I'm not going to use worst because that's, that's not nice. And I'm, I'm a kinder, gentler me. So, okay. so you've known me for a long time, but I'm kinder now. So okay, yeah. now that I'm going to be an internet radio show right, host, okay. I've toned myself down. So, so instead of saying worst, what are maybe one or two of the top ones that come to mind that were maybe misses? Uh, Super Bowl misses? Yes. Well, you know, there are some, there are some classic ones um, that, that go way back that I, I still think are, are, are kind of fun, like uh, Apple. Um, right after having one of the greatest Super Bowl commercials when they did 1984, came back and did the famous uh, Lemmings commercial, uh, which was a really bold effort, but it was, but it was it's the classic um, misfire where it, it showed um, uh, people marching off a cliff. And um, and basically they were the, they were supposed to be uh, the lemmings who were following the uh, the old way of computing the IBM way of computing, but it was uh, you know one of those interesting examples of something that just when you saw it it was just just didn't work at all it was it was it was depressing it was kind <laughs> of you know uh, baffling and it was just weird and you know uh, I, I, those are the kind of commercials that I like the ones that misfire in a really kind of grand way. Um, there, there've been, a, there've been a few of those through the years at, at the Super Bowl. I, I, I know that there was one, um, uh, God, there was one a few years ago that, uh, ended up being, uh, um, I think it ended up being considered like really racist, uh, but it was for a shoe company or something. And so, you know, they, you, you, it's, it's, it's an opportunity to fail spectacularly. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's, what's kind of interesting about the Super Bowl. You can have these big, you can have the big success, but you can also just have a, a total disaster with it. Okay, the f- top five best spots ever in the Super Bowl. Ever in the Super Bowl? Oh, Katie, you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> okay, the top um, three, well, the like, top, um, the top two. <laughs> I, I like 1984. That you know, you got you going way back for that. Um, I like uh, a couple of the different ones uh, Nike has, has, has broken during the Super Bowl. Um, I, I, I know that some of their great Michael Jordan uh, commercials, um, you know, made their kind of debut at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, uh, actually, I, th- I thought uh, Crispin Porter Bogusky had a pretty good one um, a year or two ago for the, um, uh, the Truth uh, anti-smoking campaign. Uh, they've done it. They've done a couple. They've broken a couple of good ones on the Super Bowl. They had, I think, they had one with the um, the guy in the rat suit mm-hmm. who was, uh, who was uh, dying on the sidewalk. That was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had one with the popsicle with the shards of glass in in the popsicle. Um, and I thought that was very, very, uh, very clever. Um, uh, you know, generally, like I say, there's 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 always um, you know I sometimes the ones I like too are not the ones that that end up getting critical acclaim. Last year, I liked the ones there were ones with monkeys in them that uh, uh, it was for a job search company. 
Um, do you know which, you know you know the commercials I'm talking about? It was it was it wasn't Monster, but it was one of the jobs. No, no, websites. I don't know which one you mean. And and it was a, a guy who who was forced to spend his day working with monkeys, and so he really you know he's, he has a horrible job because his boss is he's a regular he's a human being, but his boss is a monkey and his secretary <laughs> is a monkey, and everyone he talks to on the phone is a monkey. And I actually thought it was very very funny, but you know other people thought, oh God, monkeys, you know what a cliche. So you know some of it is is very uh, ends up being very uh, subjective. Well, although you say that the Super Bowl is not your favorite time to watch television spots, are there any companies who've been doing interesting campaigns that you're looking forward to, you know, seeing this year? Seeing in the Super Bowl? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think, um, you know, uh, Federal Express sometimes does really good Super Bowl commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, it's always interesting to see what, uh, what Nike's going to try. Um, on the Super Bowl, it's it's always interesting to see um, what um, I think. I think now the uh, as I say, the truth anti smoking has for a couple of years had had good stuff. So I'll be interested to see what what they're going to do. Um, I think maybe uh, the ones that don't interest me are you know the tend to be the beer mm-hmm. advertisers. The beer advertisers just don't. I don't know. On the Super Bowl, I just don't like beer ads on the Super Bowl. I don't usually like um, Pepsi commercials on the Super Bowl, even though they've they've had some famous ones through the years, and yeah. some some have been very good. But generally speaking, I don't like what Pepsi does on the Super Bowl. I think that they, again, you get into that lowest common denominator kind of the very broad humor, you know, and it's just not my cup of tea. What about Coke? Um, Coke, I think they've been very uh, inconsistent through the years on the Super Bowl. I think they've had some classic spots that yeah. go way back. Uh, other times, their 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 commercials have been less memorable. I I can't peg them as clearly as I can with Pepsi. I, I kind of know what I kind of know what to expect with Pepsi commercials on the Super Bowl. I know they're going to do a certain kind of like a big blockbuster type commercial. Usually, they'll throw a celebrity in there. They'll throw in Britney Spears one year, and they'll have you know they'll have. Uh, somebody from Seinfeld the next year. And, you know, the, you kind of know what to expect with Pepsi. It, as I say, it's not really my favorite kind of thing, but it usually gets a lot of bang for the buck. Um, Coke, I don't know. I mean, Coke has been kind of all over the place through the years on the Super Bowl. Sometimes they've had big, uh, big very important ads. Sometimes they've been kind of low profile on the Super Bowl. They, I, I feel that on the Super Bowl, Pepsi has definitely um, had a much higher, a bigger presence than Coke. Yeah. Well, I I cannot believe this time went so fast because there's so many more things I want to ask you, but I'm going to ask you one more thing. Sure. And then I'm going to insist that you have to come back another time. Okay. So we can get through the rest of this stuff. You're such a terrific <laughs> guest. Um, the, the last thing I wanted to ask you is this book, Advertising Today, which came out a few years ago, um, really focuses on print and television. Mm-hmm. What? What, I mean, we talked about the internet. What is it that you're looking forward to covering as advertising is changing? I mean, everybody s- talks about the death of the 30-second commercial, mm. which, you know, I don't really necessarily think that that's true. But it is true that it's yeah. much more difficult to reach the people that you want to reach. And you have to come up with many more ways of doing that. So what is exciting to you and what are you looking at to, to cover coming in the future? Well, I think the big story in advertising now is the merging of the of the content with the advertising. It's been going on mm-hmm. for it's not a brand new story. It's been going on for a few years, but it it's it's definitely more and more the ads are working their way into the content of the programming or the entertainment. 
And, you know, it used to be something very simple. Uh, we thought of it as product placement. You know, someone would occasionally hold up a, a, can, of, a can of Pepsi or Coke, and, uh, you know, it would have no effect on the story, really. It would just be this little flash of the brand. Uh, and, you know, that was kind of harmless. But I think now um, it's moved in a, in a much, uh, it's moving much deeper in. And um, I think what's happening now, which I am not too crazy about, is that the advertisers are trying to get involved in the creation of things like shows and movies to the point of even influencing plot lines, um, dialogue, um, the direction a show moves in. Uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, the reality shows, of course, lend themselves very much to um, to bringing the product right into the show and having it almost be a character on the show. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I guess it doesn't bother me as much on, on reality shows like American Idol, because mm-hmm. those, those are kind of junky shows anyway. But I, if, if we get to the point... <laughs> ouch! <where we're, laughs> no. What's that? I said ouch, because I kind of like American you like, Idol. Well, but <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's not, it's, it's not really um, exactly you know, high art or it's anything It's not like masterpiece that. theater. Um, but it, it, if we get to the point where advertising is starting to influence you know, dialogue in movies, yeah. or, uh, which I think it is already a little bit, yeah. but, and it's going to continue to move in that direction, that's a really scary trend because now you're starting to really compromise the whole creative process in terms of the creation of films, the creation of shows. It's really going to be, I think, uh, it's going to junk up a lot of um, shows, a lot of movies, and I think there would be a, a consumers, you know, there'll be a backlash um, to that because I think people are going to start to sense that it's, it's really having a negative effect on a, on a film or on a show. So I think that's an interesting trend to watch for. Right now, it, there's a lot of tension going on. The, there are um, screenwriters uh, who are complaining about this um, and saying, you know, they're, they're going to draw a line in the sand and they're not going to let advertisers push too far. And um, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah. Okay, well, promise me you'll come back so we can talk more. I will. Thank okay, you, Katie. Warren. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Well, you are listening to The Hook. I'm Katie Kemner, and I'll see you next time. Listen to the Classic Rock Blog. Two hours of cool classic rock every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Right after SEO Rockstar. Only on Webmaster Radio.